What day is today? What? Saturday. Yes, it's Saturday. It is Shabbat. What? Yes. Uh, it is the, uh, the uh, fifth week, first day. First day of the... Um, yes. Of the Omer count. So it's the 35th day. I know we're supposed to listen by, by weeks and days, but I get too confused because I don't like math. But, uh, but basically, yeah, 35th day of the Omer count. And what I'd like to do this morning is to just give a simple drash uh, on, the, uh, on, the, um, on the Omer and the emphasis that comes from it. Uh, you know, the Omer is, is, is a very simple kind of a, uh, a command. I want us to take a look in our scriptures to Leviticus 23. So turn to the book of Leviticus chapter 23. And, um, and there we find really the commandment, the mitzvah of the Omer count. So Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 and 16. So this is found on page 121 in the congregational Tanakh. So chapter 20, Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16. It says, Then you are to count from the morrow after the Shabbat, from the day that you brought the Omer of the wave offering, seven complete Shabbatot, until the morrow after the seventh Shabbat, you are to count 50 days, and then present a new grain offering to Adonai. Okay? So here we have very simple instruction. We are to count each day. It's unique because, as a general rule, counting in the biblical text is discouraged. All right? There are a couple of examples of counting being discouraged. Uh, the example of David uh, counting the people and, and bringing a plague upon Israel is the best example of it. God doesn't like it when we count. Why? Usually when we count, we're trying to figure out how well we're doing. Right? How well we're doing. Uh, last week, I counted my socks. And I realized I wasn't doing as well as I thought because I didn't have that many socks left. Turns out my wife's been throwing away the ones that go bad and I, didn't keep, I wasn't keeping track of it. All right? But how many of us have been tempted from time to time to count what we have? Anybody here busted a piggy bank or a, your little thing uh, to be able to see how much money you got? Anybody done that before? When I was a kid, I had it. My dad gave me this this uh, coin this coin collector that was like a cash register. Now and you don't see cash registers anymore because everything's on plastic. But in the old days, there'd be a cash register, and and they would punch in some numbers. They would bring down a handle, and then uh, it would calculate it, and, and then the door would pop open. Things like this. All right. So I had one of those kind of little cash register deals, and you'd put money in. You would pull down the lever and it would calculate how much money you've saved. The problem is, is that it, it would go over. After you accumulate $10, then it would start over again. And so I, I didn't really know how much money I had. And so I kind of came up with different schemes to bust open this, this uh, cash register savings thing uh, between $10. Because if I wanted to like you know, go buy like something, you know. And, uh, and I always felt so wealthy when I added up my $15.26, you know, as a 10-year-old kid. 
We usually count to see how well we're doing. And often when we count how well we're doing, it diminishes really our perspective on how well God thinks we're doing. So counting in the biblical text is not usually viewed very positively. The Hebrew word to count is safar. Safar, you've heard the term a sofer. A sofer is a, is a Torah writer or a writer. And uh, the reason they called him a sofer is because in writing you have to count. A lot of counting involved, a lot of careful uh, um, consideration to when you write in Hebrew. Uh, when we talk about the counting of the Omer, uh, the, the, the word Omer is a measurement, but it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit hard to, to guess what exactly the Omer is. Uh, the best way to figure it is that the, the measure is a small bowl. If we recall back to the Exodus from Egypt, people were to gather an Omer of manna every day. And the miracle of the giving of manna was that people would gather whatever they had in their Omer sufficient for themselves. Those who gathered one omer's worth, if they ate a lot, it was sufficient. And if they didn't eat a lot, it was sufficient too. And so the miracle of the omer. We're supposed to count from Passover to Shavuot, 50 days. In fact, we, we determine Shavuot based on the counting of uh, the omer. All right, people have argued, you know, what day are you supposed to count I mean, uh, let's just stick with whatever the tradition is at this point because everybody's got a different opinion. But the one thing that's interesting, again, is we are to count each day the counting of the Omer. Your day and the collection of it, your Omer might be a little bit different than someone else's Omer. And how you evaluate your day, how you count your day, might be considered a little bit different than someone else. The thing that you might be having to deal with and count in your day, if you're a full-time worker and, and with no, no children in the home, could be very different than, let's say, Betsy Barker, <laughs> who has to worry about four kids plus her husband. Her, her omer might be a little bit different when she counts out and evaluates that day than your own. We're watching uh, Ori. Those of you who know Ori the cat know that Ori is a handful, all right? And uh, if you don't know anything about Ori the cat, come and talk to me afterwards. Or come and babysit him yourself for a few days, all right? The one thing that the scriptures do challenge us with is the importance of considering our days, numbering our days. We see that in very, very different portions of the text, but Psalm 90 is one text. Psalm 90 verses 9 through 12 really emphasize the importance of us to number our days, to consider our days, to take each day in our hands and ask God, what is it you want me to do? How do you want me to handle what it is that I'm supposed to accomplish today? And again, for each of us, that's different. For each of us, our day is different. So it's important for us to consider our days. And so as we count each day, as we look from Passover, God's redemption from Egypt, and as we consider also Messiah Yeshua providing redemption from sin for our lives, and we look towards Shavuot, which traditionally is a reminder of the giving of the, uh, the Torah, God's instruction on Mount Sinai. And in the New Testament, we look forward at, uh, uh, for Shavuot in regards to the giving of the Spirit, uh, in Acts chapter 2. 
One question we should, really should be asking ourselves is simply, uh, what are we doing with our days? How are we actually living each day? And so the best answer for that is in the New Covenant text in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be just looking at verses 5 through 17. The book of Ephesians, of course, is an incredibly pragmatic book. Very practical book. I think that uh, it's probably written, uh, it's one of the prison epistles, right? So uh, it's, it's written from Shaul, from Paul, to these believers in Ephesus to give them practical instruction as to how they are supposed to live their lives. And, uh, and all of chapter 5 really is a challenge, as it says even here in the heading, to walk in the light of what it means to be a follower of Yeshua. Uh, the, the believing community in Ephesus, it was a very important city in its time. And, uh, and the, the people that were there uh, initially were, you know, had a lot of issues. And they chose to, to, uh, to separate themselves from their sinful past. It was at Ephesus, I believe, that they burned uh, a bunch of books on witchcraft. You know, that's, that could have been worth a lot of money. Uh, and they chose to destroy it utterly. Because they wanted to, as it says in the heading here, to walk in the light, which means instead of passing on the garbage, they decided to destroy it. That's pretty good. You know, when uh, my wife became a, a believer in Yeshua, uh, she had this magnificent collection of albums from the 70s. All right? And a lot of it, of course, was classic rock and all that, you know, probably was worth a significant amount of money. And she just got rid of it because the influence of the music was something she didn't want in her life, all right? And, uh, and, and really didn't, could have sold it and chose not to. For us as followers of Messiah Yeshua, if we really want to make our lives count for God, we have to understand that we are going to have to go through, if we haven't already done it, a massive, major, important paradigm shift from walking in the dark to walking in the light, from living our lives our own way to living our lives God's way. And the best way to accomplish that is on a day-to-day basis, determining that we are going to live our lives God's way. Now, let's take a moment and consider for a second, what is the world's influence on our lives? What are the values of the world? What's the worldview of the people that you know around you? Your family, your friends, your work associates, What's the general worldview that surrounds us? What do you think? What are people living for on a day-to-day basis today? Themselves. But what is really a, more, a better descriptive word? What do you think? There are no wrong answers. How would you sum up the way your friends are living their lives today? Besides themselves. Hmm? Living for work? Yeah. A lot of people live their lives for their employment. Because, what it, because of what it does for them in terms of the way they feel about themselves. What else? I don't, I don't usually do this. I don't know. I'm shocking some of you. 
What do you think? What do you think, Alan? Chasing a high. Yeah, that's, isn't that interesting? I think that sums it up well. Actually, that's very good. I didn't expect to hear that from you, but that's, that's, that sums it up well. Carla got a book. Some, some kid at Niles West left a book on the six kinds of major beverages or something. And uh, the first three that were created was it beer, wine, and then hard spirits were the first three created in human existence. After them, everything became caffeinated. <laughs> And I've been thinking about that and thinking about that. It's like today, everybody, it's like, it's like the rock stars that, that are like taking all these drugs to get high and then they're taking drugs to go down and to, they're taking depressants and they're taking uh, the other one. And, and, you know, they're taking, I mean, it's like people, people are like really messed up today in our world because they're running after a high. They're running after the thing that makes them feel great about themselves. Even while at the same time with too many of them, they're, they're depressing themselves as well. Ephesians chapter 5 is a general challenge for us to walk in the light of the Lord. Walking in the light of the Lord does not include pursuing a personal high. It's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. Walking in the light of the Lord is simply the pursuit of knowing the Lord our God and serving Him each and every day of our lives. And so we read in the text, Ephesians chapter 5, take a look, verse 15. It says, So pay close attention to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. These are simple words. And really, to appreciate it, we'd have to study the whole chapter, which I'm not going to do. All right? But I wanted to go ahead and, and read this and focus on this in terms of the Omer. Because over the course of the next two weeks or so, until Shabbat, I want to encourage you to take each day individually, and really hold it up before the Lord and ask yourself, how am I actually living my life today according to these three verses? According to these three verses. First of all, where it says, so pay close attention to how you walk. To make time to pick at the details of your life. The little details of your life. You know... Um, my anniversary, our 28th wedding anniversary is tomorrow, all right? And uh, many times in my life, I make the mistake of not properly planning. <laughs> I bet David's along the lines with me, too. No? That's not your issue? Anybody out? Come on, I need a little support here. All right? All right, so we've got it planned out now, okay? In fact, I've got contingency plans now. But when it comes to marriage... As an example, if you do not pay close attention to your spouse and your relationship with your spouse, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. We need to learn to pay close attention to how we walk. Um, uh, you know, they talk about everybody and their cell phones. Everybody's looking at their phones all the time. And they're bumping into walls and stuff. People are getting hurt because they're not paying close attention to how they walk. Uh, 
One of the things that they're also talking about today is because of all the social networking that exists, you know, actual relationships, one-on-one -on -one actual personal relationships, young people especially, are struggling with that. Do you ever make the time to quietly look at your life for at least a few days and analyze what your life is about. Have you picked lately at your life? Have you critically analyzed what you're doing? Your values, your approaches, you know, just what you're spending time doing for the purpose that maybe you're being foolish and you don't even know it. If we pick at the details of our life and we find that our life is really not God-directed, the wise person changes their life. The wise person recognizes what they see as inconsistencies between what God wants and what they're doing, and they change. It may be a slow change, but the best changes in life are always slow, unless you're driving 80 miles an hour toward a brick wall, okay? And in that case, I say move quickly <laughs> or, or stop. <laughs> but, it, but during these few days left of the counting of the Omer, I encourage you to take time each day. Take your life like in a bowl. Take your day like in a bowl and ask yourself, what am I doing today that is God-honoring, that glorifies God, that recognizes God, that honors God? that influences for God. What am I doing for him today? And then what am I doing that doesn't do any of that? What do I need to change? What do I need to change? Submit your lives to God. Do what he wants. You know, I, there's not a single person in this room right now as I look around the room because I know enough about just about everybody in this room to know that no one here is like running guns, you know, illegally to a third world nation in exchange for like drugs, okay? Uh, there's no one here that is like robbing banks, all right? There's no one here that is, you know, uh, some kind of a psychopathic killer that I know of. I'm pretty sure as I look around this room, I see people that are generally pretty good, So when you look at your life, you may say, you know, my life's pretty good. When I take the bowl of my life, that omer of my life, and I, and I evaluate it, my life's actually pretty good. I can understand that. Because you know what? Generally, we're all pretty good. All right? At the same time, though, I want to encourage you to think about what I call marginal sins. Marginal sins. You might say, what's a marginal sin? I'll share a couple that are very pragmatic, but ones that I continually hear people are breaking. One, not reading your scripture and being in your scripture on a daily basis. Not making time for God. I mean, you're not killing people, but you know what? It's a sin. It's a sin not to prioritize God in the day-to-day -day reality of your life. It's a marginal sin, meaning that it's sinful. You're hurting yourself, and you're, you're, you're really straining your relationship with God, but it's marginal. It's not like I'm going out, you're going out and robbing banks. Fine. 
We talked about it uh, last week. Holding grudges. Holding grudges. You know, not telling the whole truth. I've run into a lot of people not being honest recently. You, you could, you know, white lies. Maybe that's the extent of the marginal sin in your omer as you look at it. <laughs> Today was, a, was not such a bad day. I, I cheated on a test. I, I just couldn't, fi- well, everybody's out of school almost now, but I cheated on a test and it was just one answer because I didn't know what to do and I happened to see my neighbor's paper and I cheated. Or I drove all around the city at 85 miles an hour and, and no cop got me. And I don't feel that bad about it. And I should feel bad about it. Let's take time over the next two weeks and recognize, though, that often for followers of Messiah Yeshua, it's the marginal sins that really keep us from being all that God wants us to be. It's the marginal sins, are like the icing on the cake, that really allow us to be able to excel in doing the things that God wants us to do, that really help us to be able to make the impact God wants us to make. Because the truth of the matter is, if we allow marginal sins... If you just can never seem to be able to make the time to read Scripture and pray on a daily basis, how could you ever really be able to disciple anybody else? If you cannot prioritize God in your day-to-day, how can you make sure your kids are prioritizing God in their day-to-day? How can you serve within this community to help others? to prioritize God in their day-to-day. It's the marginal sins that so often trip us up as followers of Messiah Yeshua that keep us from being able to really walk in the light the way God wants us to. So when he says, so pay close attention to how you walk, Try a magnifying glass for a few days. Pull out, a, pull out a microscope, maybe. Ask yourself the hard question. Am I a fool? Am I a fool? Where I know God wants me to live differently than the way I'm living, but I continually blow God off. Use this kind of verbiage. Identify those areas of sin in your life that may seem marginal and small, but are really extremely important to deal with. You know, probably the biggest sin among religious leaders is the sin of pride. And it's devastating. It's ridiculous how destructive it is. And yet, you know what? You can probably hardly find religious leaders who will admit to pride. But it's an obvious. It's very easy to see. So, yeah, get them... You get up in front of people and you tell them things you're supposed to do. Except for the fact that if you're not doing it yourself, you're a fool. A lot of foolish religious leaders. A wise person is a person that not only hears the word of God, but then does it in the very small details of life. Small details of life. And what's great is that you could be either young, like, like Michael, or you can be old, like Bob, or Jim, sorry. Well, what's amazing, what's amazing 
is that God will work through us when we're willing to take out the omer of our life for a few days. He will help us to identify these areas that he really wants changed that are hurting us more than we think. You see, with the problem with marginal sin, if we're not really to, willing to pay close attention to those small little areas of how we walk, they can eventually turn into big areas. If you have a problem with lust, I don't care if you're lusting after an individual or just a category of individuals or if you are lusting after stuff. If it's in your mind and it's in your heart and you are not actively dealing with it, it will come out through action at some point. And some of you know that personally. If we can keep the marginal sins of our life in check, if we can pay close attention to how we walk so that the marginal sins are in check, it... it, we're not going to be able to get to how those sins act out in our lives. Because we want to live lives that are wise. We want to walk wisely. We want to walk in the light. We're not led astray into the darkness. It says in verse 16, Make the most of your time because the days are evil. The days are evil. I mean, what does it mean the days are evil? It just means that that uh, life can be tough. You know, there's, again, there's a bunch of young people up in Wisconsin, all right? And they're all, you know, one of the nice things about being young is you have, you, you can be idealistic about everything, right? The older you get, the more you, you're like, you know, people aren't always as good as I thought they would be. It gets harder to trust people. I mean, I, I tend to be an optimist generally. I think as I've gotten older, I've become more of a realist than an optimist. God keeps me optimistic because God is God, you know. But the days are evil in the sense that as we go along, we understand more and more with time how sinful people can be, even believers, even those who profess faith in Messiah Yeshua. But, as it says, make the most of your time. Redeem the time. Now, the word redemption, it's interesting. What does it mean to redeem the time? What does it mean to redeem the time? To redeem means to compensate for the faults, for the, uh, for the faults or bad aspects of something. All right? I just looked it up in you know, whatever that online thing is. But, but think about redemption in this light. We are called to redeem our time, to make the most of our time, despite ourselves and our inclination to sin and despite the wickedness of this world and the brokenness of it and the fact that it's very hard to really do much good for God in this world, despite all that, live for God every day. And do it honestly. Do it with integrity. Redeem the time. What can that redemption look like? Being salt and light, Yeshua talks about. Our Messiah speaks of salt and light, being an influencer for God. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we be an influencer for God? It says, so pay a close attention to how you walk. If you're walking in such a way that no one can really tell if you're a follower of Messiah Yeshua or not, 
How can you possibly redeem the time? You're just like everybody else. So if we believe that the world in which we live is ultimately going to come to an end because Messiah Yeshua is going to return, and we desire to make a difference in this world until he returns, we want to make our lives count for him, then fundamentally and ultimately we must do a very careful job every day of our lives of seeking to identify and eliminate from our lives marginality. So if you struggle with reading your Bible today, on a daily basis. Something that's so simple. I mean, I mean, I was I was 15 and a half, 16 years of age when somebody beat that into my head. So if you're like, so I've heard this already from you, Gleedy. Don't tell me this again. So that's fine. Are you doing it? No. Well, why are you being a fool? I've told you the truth. Listen to what I'm saying. Read your Bible and pray every day, and you'll Grow, grow, grow. That's a kid's song. Or like a VBS or something. I don't know. It's not rocket science. There's a saying, and the Torah is not in heaven. The Torah is on earth. Actually, it's in the Torah. It says this in Deuteronomy. But the, but the point is, is that following God is the simplest thing in the world. What keeps us from following God? It's when we refuse to really understand the simplicity of our lives and the fact that it's those marginal things that keep us, that trip us up from living our lives his way. I encourage you over the course of the next few days as we again move toward Shavuot to identify carefully in your lives areas of marginality. We all have them. I have them. All right? To identify and to seek to eliminate them from your lives. But, and I, I say this because I, when it comes to the reading of Scripture and prayer, not doing it is, is a sin. It is a sin. But at the same time, I want to encourage you to put into your life things that you know will build you up. Reading your Bible and spending time with God will strengthen you, will really strengthen you and help you to be all that God wants you to be. Look for positive things that you can add into your life that will allow you to be more useful for the redemption of the time, to compensate for the wickedness around you. You know, the, we were, Carl and I were talking about this, was it, last night. The world is so much more wicked today than it was when we became believers in Yeshua back in the early 80s. So much worse today. Society is so much worse today. What are we doing to live out righteousness, obvious righteousness. If we live out obvious righteousness, it's a way of redeeming the days, to bind them back in essence, compensating for the faults and all the terrible things going on. Verse 17, for this reason, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The Lord's will for your life is to be holy, for I am holy. The Lord's will for your life is to get to know him better each and every day. The Lord's will for your life is to do what it is that he has for you to do because God's got stuff for you to do because every single one of you in this room who has professed faith in Messiah Yeshua has a purpose that goes beyond just taking in nourishment 
and in taking up space. God has unique, important work for you to do. That's found earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are his workmanship, created for good work. So as we count the omer, let's make the most of the time that the Lord has given us. Let's consider our lives and seek to purge the marginality from our lives. But on a daily basis, let's put into our lives things that will strengthen us and allow us to be a greater testimony for God each and every day that we might redeem the time, redeem the world around us for the sake of our Messiah until he returns. I'm going to read a poem which I read whenever I do this holiday. The title is What Happened to Time? It says, When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. And later, as I, as, older, as I older grew, time flew. Soon I shall find, while traveling on, time gone. No one knows when that time gone is going to hit. May happen sooner rather than later. Make the most of your time each and every day. Do what is wise. Do the will of the Lord. That's what God wants you to do. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the fact that through our Messiah Yeshua, we can have a relationship with you. And so, God, when you challenge us through your word in terms of making the most of our time, we know that because we know that really it's all about relationship with you, that you desire to be in relationship with us, and that it's our sin that always separates us from you. And so, God, help us to, to ever more off always seek to live a life of sinlessness before you so that we can truly be in the relationship with you that, that you want and that we need. Help us, God, to be willing to purge from our lives marginal sin, small sins, seems, sins that may seem inconsequential, but because of our personal motivations or because of what, what those sins represent to others are, are things that we really just got to purge and we got to change. Help us to do it, God. I pray for conviction from your spirit for each one of us, that we would all be convicted to more and more walk your way, that we would more and more desire to walk in a brighter and brighter light of relationship with you. So God, we thank you for your word and the challenge of it, and I pray you would bless each and every one of us on this, the 35th day of the count of the Omer. And I pray this in Yeshua's name.